Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good Thursday morning to you, Bloom Daddy and Sam. BS Hour, 1170 WWVA. Sam's a happy camper this morning because her Ohio State Buckeyes are number one in the college football playoff rankings. I'll be honest with you. I don't know who is really the best team in college football. Michigan has played nobody. Yeah. Ohio State. Man. I, I mean, okay, Penn State and Notre Dame by name, but Penn State always chokes. Every year they get beat Notre in Dame big does games. Too. And Notre Dame does. Yeah. And if you take a look at their offenses, they're bad. I mean, Penn State, I believe ranks near the bottom in explosive plays. I mean, they're a three, four yards a play, blah offense. Yeah. And Ohio State's got quarterback issues. No matter what anybody says, he's not that good. No. no. Now, Kenny in time, sure. But compared to what Ohio State has had at that position, mm-hmm. I'm not so sure Ohio State is really as good or even close to being as good as last year. And there's something about watching them this year where the first quarter and a half, mm-hmm. it's real. It's bad. It, yeah. It's like, like where's the momentum? Yep. Where's the, the urgency? Like, yeah. it's, yeah. It's, and this, this cheating scandal with Michigan, it's either going to laser focus them to where they're going to want to hang 50 on everybody, or it's going to tear them down one or the other and that remains to be seen but their stretch starts not with purdue but then it's penn state maryland mm-hmm. ohio state they get into the conference well that's right. it it did ignite some really good costumes this year oh though. i'm sure yeah i mean i've seen a lot of them <laughs> and a lot of a lot good of good ones. debate i mean look yeah this this is this is how i feel about it D- did michigan cheat i think 100 percent. it does it rise to the level of Paying players and and some of the other stuff we've seen, no. 100,000 people see those defensive signals every damn game. Anybody can sit there with a phone and yeah. tape them. But it's cheating. Yeah, you but just got to be my smarter point about is, it. My point is, how bad are you at cheating if you are that blatant with it? <laughs> can you be that stupid? And, and the answer might be yes, because Harbaugh's a different dude. He's, I mean, yes. he's a different dude. So, you know, who it remains to see what that's going to do. It'll be interesting. Listen, if they come out and put 60 on Purdue, then I would say the remaining three teams on the schedule better be concerned. He's an odd cat, and the it, okay, it makes me think of when you hear, like, dumb criminal stories where, you know, they smile at the camera at the ATM when yeah. they're about to rob it. It's kind of that mentality of be smarter about it. You know, I was listening to somebody and they said, honestly, outside of Columbus, nobody gives a damn about this cheating scandal. Oh, probably that not. It, it, that it's huge to Ohio State. And it's a great excuse for Ryan Day for getting his ass kicked the last two years. Now, listen, if he goes in, into Ann Arbor and beats them, mm-hmm. then then it's it's almost like validation. Well, they had our signals. That's the only reason why they won. Right. If he goes in there and gets smoked again for a third straight year, he doesn't. He might be out of a job. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Because when it comes to Ohio State and Michigan, it's all about beating the other guy. There hasn't been a, a runaway with it team so far for college football. Correct. And Georgia, I just don't, you know, I don't think they're the it's same Georgia team as the last yep. two years. Yep. So, all right. How about this? Okay. Tacoa Riverside Restaurant. This is in speaking of Georgia. They charge a fee for splitting the check 
So have you ever gone with a friend? Oh, yeah. And you both give credit cards and say, hey, can you split it? They charge you for that. Okay. What do you feel about that? I mean, if it's like a buck or two, I wouldn't mind. But if it's like $10 or more, then do, no. Do credit card companies... They don't add a fee for that, do they? I don't so, I mean, why would, so. Why, it, it, it's not like that's a hassle. Right. $3 for splitting a meal. Now, I would have a problem with that. I would. Because, yeah. like, I've I've gone a lot of times where I split a meal because I don't eat that much and my kids might get a bunch and I just pick off their plate because I know they're not going to eat it all. Right. And you know what? What's it matter? We're there. I'm buying stuff. Who are you to say that I can't eat what I paid for, even if it's for somebody else? You see what I'm saying? Yep. Mm-hmm. That would be a problem. But what do you feel about this one? $50 fee for unruly kids. Yes, I agree with it. And, and okay, I'm going to sound like the, the nasty person who doesn't have kids. But I get so angry or frustrated when I go to a restaurant. And I'm talking a nice restaurant. I sit down, treating ourselves to a nice meal. And there's some kids screaming somewhere. And I'm not talking a toddler or an infant. That's different. I'm talking like four, five, six years old mm-hmm. where your pa- a parent should be able to say, discipline them properly. It, it just takes away from the ambiance of my meal. I mean, I actually sat somewhere at one time and watched this kid take a cheeseburger <laughs> with ketchup and mustard. And this kid was probably seven years old. Okay. And took that burger, took the top off, and smeared it down the wall of this restaurant. While his parents were watching. Yes. Like it like it was like some artistic, yeah, whatever. He was the next Warhol. Mine would have got slapped upside the head. They I'd have grabbed not- him by the back of the shirt, taken him out to the car, and then they smacked did, him some more out there. They did nothing. Absolutely nothing. And that's they the problem left. with parenting these days. That's the problem with it. And then the employees had to go out there and clean the wall. And if you would have seen what was under that table, it was it, ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. Okay, well, let me give you this situation. Because there's a woman who got charged, her and her husband, $50 for unruly kids. But they said their kids weren't unruly. And that nobody really complained. So the the restaurant's ultimately making the decision whether or not your kids are unruly. What is considered, yes. But what might be unruly to them. Now, obviously, the situation you just described is 100%. Over, yes. But what if... What if the kids are just coloring and they're kind of loud and, and you know, maybe giggling, taking a, giggling and maybe taking a crayon here or there and throwing it across no. the table at the other kid? Is that unruly? That's not unruly. But if it gets to the point where they're very, very loud and it is distracting to the other customers, that's when I think it gets to that point. Now, if a, if a you know, a little one drops a crayon and starts giggling or kind of cries, parents cannot help that. Yeah. But I think it. I think this is more of a, of a reflection of not going after the kids, going after the parents who do not take into consideration their fellow diners around them and disciplining their children the way they should out in public. I think that's what this is actually a reflection of. I, I would agree. I go back to when Karen and I were married when my boys were small. We would go in mm-hmm. and almost, I mean, especially when I say small, I'm talking four and two. Mm-hmm. One of them at that point, because we didn't have the third at that point, but one of them is going to cry. There's going to be an issue with one of them. And we rarely ever ate together as a family because one of us would just bite the bullet and take whatever unruly kid we had out to the vehicle. And the other one would sit there with the other kid and finish the meal. 
and bring out the leftovers, and we would go home. Mm -hmm. But I would never, ever let my kids disrupt other people eating. Never. I mean, we would just trade off. Mm -hmm. You'd be like, "Eh, it's my turn. I'll take Tyler out to the car. You eat. Come out when you're done. And that was the way we did it. Because the way I've always viewed it and the way I still view it, a lot of people, that's the only piece they get in their life is going out to eat. Mm -hmm. Whether it's by themselves, uh, friends, family, whatever it may be. And I think it's incredibly rude for somebody to think, well, I have every right to be in this restaurant. I paid my money. And if my kids are unruly, that's just, you need to deal with it. No. Mm-hmm. No, I don't. No. And that's why we have places now charging $50 for unruly kids, mm-hmm. because there's too many people out there with that attitude. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what I was saying. I, again, I think it's more of a reflection on parenting. But to to argue the other side a little bit, I hate, though, when I see parents who, again, their alternative to disciplining and making their child behave themselves is they put a screen in front of them if you go to a lot of restaurants and you look around they've either got a phone or some sort of tablet in front of them and they're just mesmerized staring at that screen that's become a secondary parent yeah in a lot of situations yeah and that's a parent that's too lazy doesn't want to do their job that wants to just eat at any cost Mm -hmm. and i'll just put that tablet in front of the kid and you know who cares Mm -hmm. but when people go out to eat and i don't care if it's arby's a fast food joint or west texas roadhouse or wherever it may be they deserve to be able to eat their meal in peace Mm -hmm. yeah and somebody with kids has no right no right to interrupt that Mm -hmm. who are we talking to coming back our fin- my final information conversation with Councilman Ben Seidler. We get more into the, the nitty-gritty of what is going on with the homeless and attempts to rectify this situation. Okay, that's coming up. Hope you're enjoying your Thursday. Thanks so much for joining us here on the BS Hour. Bloom Daddy and Sam back with more after this. Welcome back to the BSR, and thank you for sticking with us. Um, continuing the conversation with Councilman Ben Seidler. So we talked, uh, uh, got into a lot of details about who will be working hand in hand. Now, originally you were mentioning the the what I'm sorry the what did you call it the hub the life hub, the life life hub, hub. Yep. and the their version. Now, one of the things that was brought to City Council was the encampment idea. Now. A lot of people have a lot of questions about this. Number one, who mans it? Who pays for it? Will there be rules for these people to adhere to? Because that's one of the bigger conversations in bigger cities is people, a lot of the homeless people who are addicted to drugs, they don't want to go into anything because there's rules and they don't want to follow the rules. So how is all of that going to be regulated? So I'm glad you brought that question up. It's, it's a great question. And, and here's how it works. The city of Wheeling itself, you know, we can't create a managed camp. We're not equipped. We don't have the expertise to do that. Uh, we would fail tomorrow. You know, anytime you bring government in to a problem, uh, well, not anytime, but, you know, as well as I do, a lot of time when you shove government into a problem, we just kind of make things worse, right? <laughs> but we're smart enough to know that um, we, uh, we hired this homeless liaison, Melissa Adams, again, right? Mm-hmm. We stood up this nonprofit organization called the Life Hub. It's a 501c3 nonprofit. Um, the city of Wheeling is doing everything in our power to help get this started up. As of today, we've not funded this organization at all. Melissa's worked to get private and, and federal grants to uh, fund this, um, and she's doing a fantastic job. Uh, it would be my opinion, and this is not settled yet, right? We are still actively right. working on this on council, but the, but the game plan that I'm pitching and the proposal that I'm pushing really hard towards is, is that the Life Hub 
would be responsible for managing this this managed camp. That's what we're calling it a managed camp, right? As well as the the, the shelter and, and those things, mm-hmm. right? But the, but in terms of the managed camp, uh, it absolutely has rules. Um, not only does it have rules, but being the fact that it would be a managed primitive campground, if you will, it falls under state law. Um, there are camping regulations that, that fall under state law that would be regulated by even the Ohio County Health Department. So there's absolutely rules. Um, it has to have water bathrooms, and there, there'll be plenty of rules in place. Um, it has to be a staffed camp in order for me to buy into this at all. Okay. I absolutely will not support this under any circumstances unless we have MOUs in place um, between the Life Hub and the local organizations clearly defining roles and responsibilities of who's going to do what, who's going to be responsible for which pieces, um, who's going to be responsible for staffing it. Right. The city of Wheeling will certainly um, I believe the city of Wheeling will certainly make a contribution of seed money to this life hub in order to help getting up, get it up and running. But it's not going to be dependent on funding from the city. Okay, Um, so so next question. So the so the say the encampment moves forward. How is it decided upon where it's going to be? That is a uh, that's a serious question. Uh, There's one, you know, most of the people that I've talked to are on board with one one place that they've identified. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a tall order to get it. I mean, currently, that would be right across the street from Catholic Charities under the bridge. Now, that's a tough That's a tough. Because you're going to have people that are going to say, I don't want that in my neighborhood. I don't want that in my backyard. You will. And, and also, you know, the state is not was not happy about there being a campground there previously, so the state's not necessarily on board with that either. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I'm hoping is, is that um, I'm, I'm banking on this, that when we demonstrate a solid plan for this managed camp with the support of all of these organizations, you know, uh, like again, Catholic Charities, I don't think I, I think I failed to mention um, Wheeling Housing Authority. Uh, they're a huge part of this, right? Um, and the other organizations, and we demonstrate, and I say we because I really believe in this Life Hub, right? I'm not on the board of the Life Hub. I don't, I'm, I'm not a member of the mm-hmm. Life Hub in any, any way, shape, or form, but I believe in these guys, and I believe in this concept. I believe in Melissa. So when I say we, it's because I'm fully on board here, right? Um, but uh, I really genuinely believe when we show that plan, um, that's going to help get the state on board for that location. Now, does anybody want this in their backyard? No, not really. But that's the best place because it's right across the street from all the resources. Right? Okay, so we've mentioned many resources. You've, you've mentioned uh, homeless liaison Melissa Adams. One theory that floats around that has been going around for many years is that other communities ship their people here because we have we are such a friendly, welcoming Ohio Valley. We have so many charities out there. Are we being taken advantage of? We are. And uh, you have people that argue that point both both directions. Um, You know, there was an article in the paper um, over the weekend um, that basically disputed that saying no our homeless population is not largely made up of that um you know i ran a homeless dinner for you know a year and a half you know all through covid and and part of the reason i did that is to speak to people and i didn't just stand there and hand out macaroni and cheese right i spoke to people i built relationships i spoke to every single one of these individuals that that came through that, that would speak to me and you know um to hear their story and understand their story and a lot of them a lot of them did come here from from other places. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not a bus from Texas, uh, but there are certainly enough people that have come here because of the resources. Um, plenty of them are from, you know, Blair, Shady Side, um, you know, up and down the Ohio side of the river as well, Bridgeport, right? Um, just as well as is coming down up and down the 
the uh, West Virginia side. So, you know, are they all being busted in from all over the place? Well, I mean, I, I genuinely believe that is part of the problem. I don't think it's the only problem, but we certainly serve that need for our region as a whole. And, um, you know, there's other parts. There's other parts. Like if you think about it, um, if somebody gets um, – uh, if they're in the hospital, right, mm-hmm. and they get released from the hospital and have nowhere to go, um, you know – that, that's an issue. That that factors into homelessness, where their homelessness originates. Right. Um, and when they get released from jail, right? There's not always a great. There's supposed to be a plan, but there's not always a great plan. A lot of times, when these people get released from, released from either of these places, they get dropped off at a shelter, and it becomes our issue, regardless of where they came from. So before before we, we're running close on time, so I have a couple more questions, real quick, that I want to I want to get out there before we do run out of time. So, what do you say to the person that works in downtown Wheeling, or or frequents you know, downtown Wheeling, and they're to the point where safety is a concern. I, there's a, I'm one of them. Um, I've actually had an incident where a homeless guy didn't wanted money from me and I didn't, and he beat on my car. So there's a lot of safety concerns from a lot of people, including people who I know that live downtown. There's two really important points that I need you to find time for here. Um, First of all, to answer that question, um, I am proposing, and I'm working on the rest of council, so we're going to land somewhere between a total ban on camping within the city Mm -hmm. and what I'm proposing is a ban on specific locations within the city. Um, And I think that that my version of that is a compromise that that addresses the problem. Uh, It may not solve everybody else's desires, and I don't know if I'll win that battle, but I think personally the biggest places we care about are camping along the waterfront, the water trail, the creek bank, playgrounds, playgrounds, uh, baseball fields. Um, in close proximity to a church or in close proximity to a school, places like that, I would rather fight that battle and say these specific places that are the biggest causes of this are the places that are off limit from camping, mm-hmm. right? Um, I do want to point out something else that we kind of didn't touch on yet, though. And this is, you know, I poked the bear at the last council meeting big time on this, and I didn't make some friends on this, and I'm perfectly okay with that. In the past, it's really been the status quo here to take care of our homeless committee, our homeless community, but not necessarily push really hard to break that cycle of homelessness. Mm-hmm. Moving forward, that has to change, right? We have a lot of organizations that are great at taking people food, giving them multi-room tent camps, or, or um, um, sorry, tents um, with expensive camping heaters, right? Um, I don't think that's I don't I don't think that works in that capacity. I take my kids camping every year. I pay a lot of money to go camping. I, I buy a nice tent. I feed them. I take our I bring our own food. I take our own food away, right? We have to have, there has to be some incentive, right? And so we can't just make this primitive campsite, this managed camp, an indefinite place. We're not going to say, hey, you can only stay here for 30 days. But with the wraparound services, their goal has to be to help get these folks on the right track, whether that's a mental health, whether that's drug rehab, whether that's whatever it is, get them on the right path. And the goal has to be is to help break their home, the cycle of homelessness. Mm-hmm. So when we say, like, we have this number, this number is not getting smaller in our city. That has to be one of the primary objectives for every one of these organizations involved to help end the cycle of a person's homelessness so that we can start making those numbers shrink. This conversation, we're out of time, but it will it's going to continue because there's there's actually more topics in this that we didn't even get to. Sam, I would love to come back on and talk to you Perfect. about this. As Perfect. Much as we can. Would love to have you back uh, maybe after the next city council meeting because it's probably going to be interesting for you. All right. Well, thank you, Councilman Ben Seidler. We'll have you back. And everybody, thank you for listening. We'll be back with the BS Hour right after this. Strongsville High School teacher on administrative leave right now. 
this teacher wrote something on the board during a lesson on Islam today. Now, the superintendent not releasing what the teacher wrote. Dr. Cameron Riba simply saying it should not have been written. Counselors available today, extra police present at the school, presence throughout the day. Dr. Riba, Strongsville High School principal Bill Wingler issuing an apology to the Muslim community. This irritates me. I don't know what was said. That's the problem. Say what was said. This is a public school. The superintendent, the principal, the teacher, employees of the public. The public has a right to know what was said. You see, schools hide behind this all the time. And therefore, they don't have to tell you why they made a decision. They don't have to justify to you why they made a decision. And they can hide from the decision they made. Now, what this teacher wrote might have been 100% inappropriate. But you don't know that. I don't know that. Or on the flip side, what this teacher wrote could have been 100% factual. They just didn't like it in the realm of political correctness. I'd love to know what was written on this school board. If you have a student at Strongsville High School or if you know what this teacher wrote, 216-578-1100, you don't even have to come on air. Just let us know. Let us know what was written on that school board. This is where things should be explained. Because at the end of the day, people at public school systems work for the people paying the taxes. They have a right to know what is going on in their school. All right, let's get back to this top story, and that is the Rocky River Intermediate School principal resigning following this investigation into a relationship with former students. Dr. Heath Horton, you're talking about a 66-page report by the Rocky River Police Department with text messages between the 42-year-old Horton, 17 former students with ages ranging from 17 to 23. From June 27th of 2022 to May 11th of 2023, Dr. Heath Horton sent several text messages to a male asking for sexual videos. And some of these text messages are graphic, and I have them right in front of me, and I'm not going to read them to you because, well, they're graphic. He also mentioned a boom room. That's an extra bedroom at Horton's house, and you know exactly what a boom room means or the intent of that. In several text messages, he was propositioning people to visit the boom. He came to Rocky River in 2017. That was following stints as a teacher administrator in South Euclid, Lyndhurst, and Brooklyn. And has been Kensington's principal since July of 2021. All I'm saying, and I'm sure the cops are on this, you better check with kids at all the schools that this guy has worked at. Because this behavior didn't start at Rocky River. I guarantee you that. There's not a chance that this kind of behavior from a guy of his status who's 42 years of age. It didn't start at 42 years of age. So they better go back at every school that this guy's been and ask, hey, any students here, any former students, any interactions with this dude? And when you think about this situation, this shows you either the arrogance or the stupidity, or maybe it's a combination of both. You can't get away with anything regarding a cell phone. Nothing. Nothing. I mean, I think back to the day when I was in high school. We all knew there were certain teachers doing things they should not have been doing. I'll bet if you think back to your high school days, you there was there was always it, one male teacher who was getting with female students, and it was widely known. Why was it widely known? Because kids talk. 
I mean, if you're a teacher, principal, coach, and you think in your sick, twisted mind that you're going to have a relationship with a 13-year-old, a 15-year-old, a 17-year-old, and you don't think they're going to talk, you are insane, and you deserve everything you get. I very rarely go through social media and read responses because, quite honestly, I think social media is the scourge of humanity. And if I didn't have to do it for this job, I'd never be on it. With that said, I was looking through some stuff, and I am getting hammered. I mean hammered. And, Carmen, I'm going to kind of say you are too because Mm -hmm. I think we agreed on this, but I'm getting hammered on social media over me calling Kevin Stefanski out for that third and three pass against the Seahawks at the end of the game. I cannot believe how many people – think that was the right call or think he was justified in calling that play. Bloom Daddy, those who are being highly critical don't know if a football is blown up or stuffed. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, I was shocked. I mean, I'm getting hammered, brutalized. Isn't I mean, it great? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, some of the comments were tremendous. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting there laughing and they were so bad. And I think a couple of them were from my mother, to be honest with you. But, I mean, th- look – I'm just, I'll say it one more time because it's beating a dead horse. A, a good coach plays to his team's strengths, okay? Our strengths, defense, running game, special teams. All three of those could have been in play on that last play, that third and three. You lean on your running game to get the first down. If it doesn't, you lean on your punter to put it at the 10-yard line or the 5-yard line, and then you lean on your number one defense to keep them from going 90 yards for a game-winning score. That's what you do. And instead, he did not utilize his team's strengths. He went with his team's biggest weakness at the most crucial point of the game, and that is quarterback. And we lost because of the quarterback. I don't know how anybody could defend that, Corm. Uh, neither can I. I mean, I'm in lockstep with you. Uh, you run the football, and I said it uh, Monday until I was red in the face as well. So if I'm being criticized, you know, as long as they spell my name correctly, God love them. <laughs> I mean, I'm reading through some of these, and I'm laughing, and, and they're brutal. I mean, some of these people, my good God. I'll tell you, you don't realize, you out there listening don't realize how brutal people can be until you get in the media and and this was before social media so now with social media maybe people realize more but i never realized how how savage people can be and and honestly a lot of times it's little old ladies i mean and i know this for a fact because one of the worst uh social media responses i've ever received in my life it was actually an email response was when I got syndicated in Pittsburgh and took over for Quinn and Rose. They were longtime hosts in Pittsburgh, and they had a disagreement with iHeart, and they left, and they put me in there. And obviously, listeners, they blame me. And I get this email that, I mean, literally called out my mother for having me in a in a way that was so grotesque awesome. and so disturbing that I sat there after reading it going, oh, my God, what did I get myself into? And you know what? I responded, and it was a female name. I responded, Mm -hmm. and I simply said, imagine somebody sending what you sent to me to your son. That's all I put. Mm -hmm. Took about two weeks. She responded. 
she apologized, said that Quinn and Rose were part of, she felt that they were family, been listening to them for 30 years, took it out on me. She's so sorry. So I correspond with her and ends up, she ends up being one of my biggest fans when I was in Pittsburgh, but she was like a 74-year-old grandmother. And wait a second, was her name Beulah? <laughs> no, but Carmen, if... If you could have read the email, it is the most disturbing email I've ever received in a in a media career that started in 1992. For an elderly lady to take you to task or take your oh. mother to task for having you, that's awesome. Oh. That's called great. My, called my mother a name for having me that rhymes with boar, as in wild boar. Okay? I mean, that's what she called my mother for having me. Disturbing. That's awesome. I mean... Oh, and then I read it to my mother, and she laughed. I'm sure she course, did. Yeah yeah, 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 exactly. She said, you deserve everything you get. But, you know, that's, of course, my mother. We had a Senate Homeland Security Committee hearing the other day, and Senator Rick Scott, Republican out of Florida, asked FBI Director Christopher Wray if the country is safer under Joe Biden. You know what Christopher Wray said? Nothing. Crickets. Sat there. Gathering his thoughts for about 10 seconds. And then he warned that the threat of a terror attack against Americans has been raised to a whole other level due to this conflict in the Middle East. Now, following the hearing, the White House said it couldn't possibly answer whether terrorists have already crossed over the southern border amid the ongoing crisis there and the increased security threats in the Middle East. Let's bring on Tom Holman, former director of ICE, who was in charge of that southern border under Obama and under Trump. Tom, I'll ask you, since the White House said they can't possibly answer whether terrorists have already crossed over the southern border, what do you think is the answer to that question? I think absolutely yes. I mean, take us into consideration. Border Patrol's arrested people from 171 different countries. Some of these countries are sponsored of terror. They've arrested 284 off the terrorist watch list. We got 1.7 million gotaways. Now, if you don't think a single one that 1.7 million gotaways didn't come from a country sponsored terror, then you're ignorant to the data. So absolutely. And look, this is a, the, the southern border is vulnerable to terrorists coming in. Why? Because, you know, after 9-11, we created all these databases, the TSA no-fly list, the FBI screening database, the visa security program. All these things are pretty successful. But why would a terrorist put himself in a position to ask for a visa or a plane ticket when he knows he's going to be vetted? All he's got to do is get to Mexico, pay the cartels a little bit extra money, and and get away. I mean, it's it's, it's common sense that this border is vulnerable to, vulnerable to terrorists. Absolutely. Even, Tom, even with vetting, how good is the vetting at this point in time, do you believe? Because a lot of these people are coming from third world countries where they don't have, there's not any records. And, and it seems like we're letting them in or they're just coming in. You're exactly right. The vetting is only as good as what we got, right? I mean, we can only vet them against information known. So, like, uh, the terrorist screening, you know, unless there's a record on you, some intelligence record that you're, you know, captured on a, a phone call, a, a T3 phone call, or involved in an investigation, or unless you're encountered on a battlefield and a soldier took your retina scan and, and, and entered it, there's a lot of terrorists. There's no record on it. It's just like you know, illegal aliens in this country. Someone says, well, is he an illegal alien? Well, you don't know until you talk to him because even though the, the, the record may show he's born in Mexico, has he... Has he has he been through INS? Has he been through ISO? So you're right. The vetting's only as good as the systems we have capability of, of accessing. For instance, Afghanistan. Their entire record system is under control of ISIS now. Is that you think ISIS is going to share anything with us? <laughs> so absolutely not. Unbelievable. We're talking to former director of ICE, Tom Holman. Tom, 9-11 was a horrendous um, 
breach in our as far as the same thing with the attack with Israel and Hamas it was an intelligence failure of epic proportions if something god forbid happens on american soil here you know in the next few days next few weeks next few months we would have to rank this way up high as far as a monumental failure once again wouldn't we as far as the southern border goes 9-11 was an intelligence failure this i guess you could say is an intelligence failure also because the threat's always still been there but when you don't secure a border and people are just walking through unchecked unvetted that's a huge huge terror issue it is, and I wouldn't say it's just a intelligence failure. Look, this is what's happening on the southern border now is, is the biggest national security failure I've seen since 9/11. Look, we, you know, if if you don't think, like I just said, you know, we we 1.7 million gotaways, you'd have to be ignorant to think not a single one of them came over here to do us harm, especially when Borbich was arrested 284 in a terrorist watch. Is that just the southern border alone? And think about it, in the month of September, the last month of this, of this uh, fiscal year, September of 2023, they arrested 18 people on the terrorist watch list. Under Trump administration, in four-year total, was 14. They arrested more people on the terrorist watch list in one month than the Trump administration did in four years. That tells you everything you need to know. This border is extremely vulnerable to terrorist crossing. I think that's the best point that could possibly be made. Tom, I always appreciate your time. Thank you. You got it. Bye-bye. All right. Tom Homan, former director of ICE. By the way, all the big players in terrorism, and I'm talking about every one of them, have all renewed calls to attack us and our interests. Al-Qaeda has issued the most specific call for attacks on the U.S. in years. Islamic State leaders have ordered followers to attack Jewish communities, Hezbollah eyeing U.S. targets in the Middle East, Iran has pushed proxy attacks on U.S. military bases. All the people that I know that serve in intelligence have told me, you just better beware. Head on a swivel. Pay attention to everything that's going around you because, believe you me, this is going to ramp up considerably, considerably. And if you don't think it isn't, then, like Tom Homan said, you you just have not been paying attention to anything going on around you. Speaking of going on around you, Strongsville High School teacher placed on administrative leave wrote a statement on the board during a lesson on Islam. The superintendent, Dr. Cameron Ryba, didn't release what the teacher wrote, but said the teacher should not have written this. Well, I've got it right in front of me. The teacher wrote Islamic equals normal believers. Islamist equals terrorist with the ist underlined and in red in Islam in blue. What's wrong with that? Should a teacher be placed on administrative leave over that? Islamic equals normal believers, Islamist equals terrorist. Let's take a look at the definition of Islamist. An advocate or supporter of Islamic fundamentalism, a person who advocates increasing the influence of Islamic law in politics and society. Islamic law, by the way, is Sharia law. If you don't know anything about Sharia law, go Google it or listen to me. And then it says, quote, radical Islamists. That's when using Islamist as a noun, when you, lose, when you use Islamist as an adjective relating to advocating or supporting Islamic fundamentalism. Hardline Islamist groups. What do hardline Islamist groups do? They adhere to Sharia law. That's Islam's legal system. That's, you know, in other words, uh, kill Jews, kill LGBTQ community members, women are second class citizens. Uh, Sharia law is brutal. 
Brutal. And oh, by the way, Israel has no right to exist. And these are the sayings of the Prophet Muhammad. So you tell me, why was this teacher placed on administrative leave? I mean, isn't the whole purpose of a classroom to teach or to have discussion? I mean, in my mind, what happened here, you got a superintendent who's scared of her own shadow, who doesn't understand Islam, Sharia law, what Islamist is, and obviously is scared to death of any kind of repercussions or political correctness. An extra police presence was at the school throughout the day. For what? I mean, shouldn't this be discussed in a classroom today in an objective sort of way? This is the number one topic in the world right now. This Strongsville teacher on leave, what I would say to this individual, go get an attorney and sue the you-know-what out of the Strongsville school district. Because this individual, as far as what I see here, and I don't know what context, but to me, this is a discussion that needs to be had today. And according to the definition of Islamist, this teacher didn't do a damn thing wrong. Sue the balls off the Strongsville School District. That would be my recommendation to this teacher. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.